0: I'm Head of Strategy for BA Systems.
1: I work for Dyson. and I am Senior Sustainability Engineer. I'm a Materials Engineer working for the supercar brand McLaren Automotive.
0: I'm Principal Technologist and Founder of Keir Technology Solutions.
1: Engineering is the best. It is so exciting and there are so many different ways you can go. I worked my way up through the ranks so I got 40 plus years of experience doing it. Still every day I just think it's mental. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean you can't be it. If you heard those engineers and thought, I could do that, then you're in the right place. Welcome to I Could Do That, a podcast by Silver Fox and the IET. I'm Alec Feldman, and each week I'll be joined by a different engineer who's achieved excellence in their field of choice and find out their story. Joining me today is a man whose LinkedIn profile says he is revolutionising the way manufacturers and engineers connect with their audience. So listen up and take notes. Welcome to I Could Do That, Rob Dando. Thanks for having me. It's a, a bold claim. It is a bold claim, yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, we're,
0: we're an agency that likes to make a bit of a noise and try and, you know, help our clients to break through, cut through. Um, and so if I don't do that myself, I would be, you know, doing us a bit of a disservice.
1: So we've got to make a bold claim and then back it up, I guess. Well, hopefully we'll do that in the next few minutes. Your agency is called Finally. It is, yep. Um, what led you to starting that up? Um, So
0: my journey has been quite long. Um, I actually started building websites from 13 um, and set my first company up at 16. Um, And then when I left school, um, my mum, being the teacher that she was, was hopeful I was going to go off to uni. Um, I went on holiday for a couple of weeks, came back and uh, took over running an internet cafe and then made an offer to buy it after about 10 weeks. Um, Internet cafe? An Internet cafe. Um, oh, wow. And here I am, 23 years later, still in the same building. Um, the room I'm sat in now, actually, was once the uh, gaming room. I had Xboxes in here and all sorts. And, and um, yeah, so that was a kind of a journey. But always websites and the technology behind that was kind of a passion of mine. So throughout that, that kind of 10-year cycle of having the Internet Cafe and, and numerous other bits related – um, I always had a web business um, and we built that up and down. We did a lot of custom work, custom integration, built CMSs before, you know, modern CMSs existed. Um, and then um, probably 13, 13 years ago, I was introduced to Steve, um, who went on to co-found finally with me. Um, he was from a much more traditional marketing branding background we obviously brought the kind of technology and, and coding side and so we did some white label development for him then we kind of got on really well and said "Right, well, let's try this a bit more formally so we kind of started to do some joint projects where we're both visible that went really well and we went hey let's just make this a real thing and we started finally so actually 10 years ago last week finally was born and yeah it's been a bit of a journey we, we were kind of Started off life as every other agency, right? B2B, B2C, kind of wherever the work was, project-based, so really stressful, kind of going from one project to another and hoping, no idea what was coming next. And then we started to move into a more kind of retained service model, so trying to build some loyalty with clients and offer a range of services. Grew that out to be full-service agency that we are today. And then COVID hit the world, as, as it did everybody, and we had some big decisions to make you know marketing was one of the first things that people were cutting um uh, rightly or wrongly and we decided to kind of take stock of where we were we had an opportunity to evaluate the business really and it was at that point that we looked at our client roster and found that we had some really strong clients in in engineering and manufacturing that we really liked that we were doing a great work with and kind of took the plunge to niche fully into that sector. Um, it's uh, niching is something that we'd always spoken about with clients about you know alienate to accelerate. You know, don't worry about ninety five percent of the market because they don't care about you. Focus on that five percent and you'll grow faster. Um, so we did do that, and we've done that thirty five percent growth year on year for the past three years. You know, we've established ourselves now in the global marketing space for engineering and manufacturing companies. We're working with some incredible names in that field and almost been invited to the party right which was what it's all about we're not going to win every client but at least our names in the mix and for a you know a 30 person agency in canterbury kent uk that's incredible really that you know a client in australia california we won a client in california last week you know they're now working with us because we
1: are the specialists in this this area i love stories like that so it was it was basically an accident well,
0: yeah, uh, no, uh, uh, a planned, <laughs> a bit of a planned one, yeah. We, we You know, it's a strategic move, let's say. What happened to the Internet Cafe, by the
1: way? At what point did that have to, to go?
0: So I, I pretty much ran it for 10 years. Within two weeks, it was, 10 years door to door. Um, it had been on the wind down probably for the last four or five, four of those, you know, where we're just fixing computers a bit more. And I didn't work there at all. I had staff in there by then. I think my first inkling was after about three years. So probably that'd be 2003, four, basically when the first iPhone came out, right? I was sitting there on my iPhone in my internet cafe using the, the, the 2G that it was and going,
1: hmm, this could be a problem if this catches on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I sort of saw it coming. That really interests me, the whole knowing that it might be time to change and having to transition. Was it hard knowing that you'd have to start something completely different?
0: Yeah, I think obviously I was lucky in that I had my my true passion, I guess, and my background was the web, the websites and, and the coding. So that was still running. I think even when I had the Internet Cafe, we had a team of four, up to a maximum six six of us developing. Um, so I was kind of always had that as my backbone back burner i guess um like internet cafe for the first couple of years it was like a dream right like my mum so when i when when i first started it was me and my partner that started that business and um you know i was i was 17 and a half 18 years old i worked 7 days a week we were open 12 hours a day and it was like what i got up i intended to do the morning shift because i was capable of waking up my partner less so. i would <laughs> stroll down to the calf down the road, get a bacon, egg and sausage bat, pick up the newspaper, come and open the door. I'd have like 15 to 20 students waiting outside who went into the, what was the smoking room, right? You could smoke back then in, in buildings. Wow, that really dates it. <laughs> <laughs> Tapping their laptops. They'd all pay me, um, I think back then it was like £25 for the day. For the, They'd be there for the whole 12 hours. So like, I'm banking like 300 pound cash within the first minute of have been open. I've got my bacon roll and I've got a newspaper and I was like, this is the life. Oh yeah. Right? I like, read the paper from back to front Obviously, sports fan first. <laughs> then I probably play 30, 40, 50 games of commander conquer generals because I was pretty decent then and winning national tournaments. Then I'd maybe watch a film and then I'd go home. It was like, this is, this is life. Um, and then obviously I realized this probably isn't going to be my career. Right. <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was kind of, 21 I think I was when I kind of decided I better take the, the web business a bit more seriously I actually joined um, BNI I'm sure many people heard that's a uh, kind of global networking group and that was actually how I got the introduction to Steve you know so it was kind of all worked out really well um, you know I used to go there I started building clients from that building local clients and smaller smaller businesses and gradually just worked up and up and up and um, you know as we've gained that experience and knowledge. And and Steve and I kind of started finally, we won some great brands. We were much more healthcare pharmaceutical based back then, um, because that was more Steve's background. And, you know, that kind of elevated us and, and I guess showed us that we could deliver, you know, on that big scale. Um, you know, I was still young, we, you know, I'd had no training in running a company and building a business that, that, to the size that we are today. And, um I had a lot of imposter syndrome at times where I was like looking at these other agencies and thinking, well, how do they manage to have like hundred employees? Like, where are they getting that work? How's that possible? Whereas and I had no idea that actually by all accounts we were doing pretty darn well ourselves. Um and um, you know, it was only a couple of years ago that very sadly Steve was taken ill at the end of COVID and and um it's left him, you know, still fighting to recover. And, you know, that that meant I had another big decision to make and what I was going to do. Well, that decision was, you know, I, I took the business on, um, you know, and kind of changed some elements, kept the majority of it and, and vowed to push forward and keep the staff. And, you know, and in that time we've grown from probably I think probably about 15, 16 people when that happened and we're up to 30, 31 now. So we've doubled in size and, you know, we're now probably in the top 5% of independent agencies in the UK based on size and, and stuff. So, you know, it's kind of a really good journey.
1: Wow, that's an incredible story. Thanks. So, it's so almost uniquely for this this podcast. You're not an engineer. I'm not. No. And Steve's background was healthcare. You said. Yeah. So no engineers involved. I guess
0: the influence there. My grandfather was an engineer, um, passionate mm. engineer, and so I'd always I'd liked how stuff was made, and and my kind of logical and analytical brain that led me to coding was always you know asked me to how do things work and can I dig into it and understand things, which is fundamentally like what engineering is all about. And so there was always a little kind of element of that. So I remember when we won our client, we still work with today, Kingsbury, um, who supplied a, a range of German machines into the UK and Irish market. Like you know, Going out to their factory, going around the Hermley factory and seeing these machines being made and the kind of product lines and getting to understand it all and getting demonstration. It, like I was like, actually, you know, this is going to be a win-win for me. I get to do what I'm really good at, marketing. And I get to do it in a world where I'm still kind of involved with all this amazing engineering. You know, And as we've kind of developed and established ourselves in this field, particularly in UK manufacturing, it's awesome. You know, there's some incredible businesses, um, some passionate people. It's a really, really kind of valued community who support each other. And, you know, UK manufacturing is really buoyant. You know, we actually make a lot of stuff that people just don't realise.
1: That's a relief. (laughs) That's good to hear. Um, So do you think it's helped you, the fact that you're slightly removed from the world in which you're marketing?
0: I think so. I think it allows us to kind of step into their world and and question them. Engineers, by default, are generally pretty logical thinkers. You know, there's a problem, we're going to solve it. Mm. And I think that's great in some instances. You know, marketing's about testing and learning and optimising and... and Engineering is fundamentally the same. Let's test if this product works, let's make it better. So they're kind of on that same page, which is a less of a sell, I guess, than it might be to a traditional consumer-led uh, business. Um, but not being in that allows us to kind of look at it differently, question them. Like when they all talk about – classically, we did a survey – for a, a show and we looked at 200 websites of engineering and manufacturing companies and 88 of them all had the word precision engineering in the first sentence on their website
1: <laughs> what a cliche
0: yeah i was like guys what does precision engineering mean like to you or to anyone else and also like if all 88 of you are saying the same what sets you apart like, I may as well just go to them or them or them. Like, how do I know? How do I know who is doing what I want? You've got to talk to the customer, explain what's their pain point, what are you solving? Precision engineering, that's like saying great customer service. Like, who doesn't? I'm going to say, yeah, no, like, honestly, guys, we've got the worst customer service. Got, we got—we get a one-star rating on Trustpilot. You <laughs> should come to
1: us. Like, no one does it. I'm going to ask you to put that to use now and sort of take a step back from yourself and tell me how your friends and family might describe you.
0: Friends of Ham describe me. Um, I'd like to think mm. uh, really loyal, someone that's really loyal, um, you know, supportive, um, a little bit crazy, certainly driven, you know, driven to, to, to go on in the world. And, and hopefully the big word would be entrepreneurial, right? I think I've proven that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. And have all of those things, I mean, obviously the entrepreneurship seems to have come in handy. Have they all helped you in building this, this agency?
0: I think so. Um, some Sometimes help, sometimes hindrance. I am a bit of a kind of heart on the sleeve kind of guy. And sometimes when you're building a bigger business and you bring more and more people in, you know, that's something that you have to be cautious of. Uh, the more personalities you bring into any world, there's going to be, you know, possible clashes or things that, you know, where it could be deemed as favoritism or stuff like that. And for me, I just want to like make everybody happy. I want to give them an environment that they can grow and make sure that they're, you know, like growing as people growing as, um, you know, family members, uh, as a living. And that's hard to balance when you're trying to do that now at 30 people. Like how do I keep 30 people happy every day? And, you know, that's it, it, as we grow this next year and adding potentially 10 more people, you know, it, it, it becomes harder. Um, I guess I'm just trying to just, be honest like and i hold my hands up so i'm one to kind of say look guys i made that decision um and it hasn't worked and i'm okay with that right you know we'll try something else uh, again the test and learn phase i think probably when i was a bit younger a bit more naive i was a bit reluctant to do that i was like oh you can't admit that you got something wrong or you know you don't, you can't say that whereas i think now and particularly in the last you know two and a half three years since sadly um steve left the business you know it kind of put me in the position where i'm like actually I might still deem myself to be young, but these people are looking up to me. They're looking for me to like show them the way or set these visions and they have to believe in, in me and they have to believe in what I am setting or else it's not going to work. And, and that was like, the Ricky Gervais moment right you can't be the Ricky Gervais boss you can't be everybody's <laughs> friend you can't be out partying with them till three in the morning like you have to have a a line of the professional and the personal and like I can be a really supportive boss I can do great things for them as people um, but I can't necessarily be everybody's friend um, that was hard but I think I've kind of got that
1: now and it, it seems to be working oh my god can I come and work for you I know nothing about marketing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's a way. (laughs) So is there a a stereotype of what you do that you think is completely wrong?
0: I think, yeah, I think a lot of people think of marketers as, as like fluffy were generating people and i think you know really we should be seen as a vital part of any business and often like you know i joked around you know covid and, and marketing was one of the first things to be cut like and it was in many businesses because sometimes marketing is seen as a luxury whereas i see marketing as an essential part of your business like we are an agency and we have two full-time marketing people in our business purely to market the agency. They don't do any client work. They're not build. That is
1: a cost that I spend to market our business. Wow, that's, that feels like a tough gig, <laughs> being the marketing person for a marketing agency. Everybody's like judging you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
0: They are, yeah. If they can't do it there, yeah, no, it's tough, yeah. But they're doing an excellent job, and um, we're just like a really nice group of people, genuinely. Aww. And and like we want to see results for our clients, and and you know, we I've actually like exited clients, you know, and said like, please stop paying us money because this isn't working for both sides. We're not able to deliver the job that we want to, and you're not able to commit to what we need from you. It's not working. Therefore, please stop paying i mean that's not many people that do that one client that actually we're working with again six seven months later i got a call from him saying look I really appreciate what you did we kind of got our ducks in a row now we're kind of ready to undertake that and they actually came back and spent more money and he was like because the honesty and that you showed at that moment it showed that you are the kind of people we want to work with you are the business that we want to be spending our money with would
1: well, you say that's quite a uh, creative job then yeah definitely
0: there are a massively creative roles within our agency obviously some roles are are less creative, okay? Like they need to be strategic. And you don't need to be creative to be strategic, you need to be strategic. You need to be able to see a problem and work out how you're going to solve that problem. And when you've done that, you should then bring in these creative people say, "Right, the problem is that we need to get 15 people to attend this event. How are we going to do it?" And that's then when the creativity comes in. Um you know, the the, the creative people less likely to identify the problem um you know there's a balance where some people have a mixture of both i'd like to think i have some creative elements in my head but i am definitely more strategic you know more analytical more logical i look at numbers i look at data and i use that to back up decisions um whereas you know my designer probably wouldn't want a spreadsheet to help him make any sort of decision right he wants pen and paper
1: (laughs) so i mean i've been fascinated learning about what you do and your journey from, you know, the internet cafe to employing 30 odd people and sort of really finding your niche in engineering and manufacturing. What is your ultimate mission?
0: Um, I think really to push on now, we, we kind of really do want to become established as a global player in this sector, you know, like the, be the choice for engineering manufacturing companies around the globe to deliver great campaigns and, and come and work finally. Do you enjoy what you do? Absolutely love it. Yeah, get up every single day, still bounce out of bed. As I said, you know, you think I've been in this building for 23 years of my life, which is more than half my life. And I still love coming in every day, having conversations like this, kind of sharing what we get up to and and seeing the results that we produce. And that still gives me a buzz. You know, if I see an ad on the internet that we've produced or hear a radio ad or whatever, I still like, that's us, that's us.
1: You've been listening to I Could Do That, a podcast produced by the IET and Silver Fox. Silver Fox proudly support engineers around the world with their cable, wire and pipe labelling requirements. The Fox in a Box thermal printer can print a whole range of thermal labels with one software, one printer and one ribbon, saving loads of time for engineers in the field. For more information, please visit silverfox.co.uk.